Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hello, hello, Heart of Dating family. It's your host, Kate Warman here, and I'm so thankful you decided to tune in today. You guys, we have some amazing things going on here at Heart of Dating. If you didn't know, this weekend, our Heart of Dating conference called Singled Out is launching on February 6th. And let me tell you what, you guys, you are not going to want to miss this incredible event. We have absolutely amazing speakers, including Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child, the one and only Lisa Bevere. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Henry Cloud, Sadie Robertson and Christian Huff. Dr. Darius Daniels, Pastor Tim Tiverlake, Chad Veach from Zoe Church, JP Pacluda, Marianne Jordan, Alec Bevere, and y'all, we even have worship from Chandler Moore of Maverick City Music himself. Okay, y'all, this is going to be an amazing event, so I do not want you to miss out on it. By the way, we are going to be really covering a lot to do with singleness, but more in depth, we're going to be covering topics like living your best single life, healing after trauma, heartbreak, and rejection, tools for spiritual formation, putting yourself out there in 2021, and then also sex, God, and everything in between. Those are our overall themes for the conference, and we will have about four to eight sessions under each one of those themes. Now, also, if you are not available on February 6th for the launch, do not even worry, my friend, because you will have access to all of this incredible content for an entire year. Not only will you get access to all this content, but also, my friends, you're going to get a copy of my first book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, Transform Pain into Purpose and Learn to Fight for Yourself. This book officially comes out on February 16th, but by buying a ticket to the conference, you will get a copy of my book. Hello. (laughs) I'm so excited about it. So you guys, buy your ticket right now. Go to singledoutconference.com. Do not miss out on a chance to really grow in your singleness. And not only that, meet stellar people and rich community. To follow up on the weekend, this Sunday, February 7th, we actually have our mingle rooms where you're going to get to mix and mingle with other singles. People who bought tickets early, you're going to get your own special mingle rooms for signing up early. But if you didn't sign up early and you're signing up right now, you still will get access to a mingle room with myself and a bunch of other people. So our community is one of the richest out there. I know I'm a little biased, but I truly believe it. We are in this journey together. And if you feel alone or discouraged in your singleness, this conference is going to reignite you and also introduce you to so many people who are in your exact shoes. So again, visit singledoutconference.com and come and join us. Now I want to talk about our episode for today. You guys, I had the epic privilege of hosting Chandler Moore for an incredible conversation about being sorry, not sorry, learning how to be unashamedly who you are. This conversation coincides with chapter four of my book and chapter four of my book is all about belonging, what to do when you are trying to fit in and what is fitting in and how fitting in actually destroys our identity. Instead of fitting in, we have to learn how to belong to ourselves and then belong to the greater community around us. But we need to be able to do this by really figuring out who we are and being unashamedly who we are in the process of life. So I'm so thrilled that Chandler came on for this conversation. And if you don't know him and his incredible music, you're going to love him after today and want to listen to everything that he has to offer and all of his songs pretty much on repeat, as I do pretty much every day. Chandler David Moore is a native of Charleston, South Carolina, currently based in Atlanta, Georgia. He is the son of Bishop Brian and Elder Jametta C. Moore. Often referred to as a modern-day King David, Chandler is a worship leader, songwriter, and instrumentalist. Although his creative calling takes him around the globe, Chandler commits himself to leading the production department of his church, All Nations Worship Assembly, Atlanta. Chandler is currently partnered with Maverick City, a collective of worshipers committed to deconstructing unspoken rules that exist in the CCM and gospel world. 
Through this partnership, Chandler has penned and featured on songs like Most Beautiful and Refiner, featuring Stephanie Gretzinger. To date, both songs have garnered over 2 million streams apiece. And let me just say, they are songs that I always have on repeat in my home. Chandler's pursuit is pretty simple, to live a life worthy of the call he's been trusted with. Today in this conversation, we talk about things like fitting in and how fitting in may destroy our ability to really connect with our true God-given identity. Chandler also opens up about being a single father and how that has impacted his life and his identity and even his dating life. We even talk about shame and how to really just belong to ourselves and really accept the current season that God has us in. You guys, this is such an incredible conversation to really learn about how to own who you are exactly as you are. So without further ado, here's my incredible conversation with the ever so talented Chandler Moore. Oh my gosh, Chandler Moore, welcome to Heart of Dating today. Hey, what up? Hey, how you doing today, friend? I'm good. I'm good chilling in this nice, cold, warm weather. (laughs) It's like, what is it right now? I know. I can't even say to everybody that we are, I'm like sunny, 70 degrees in LA today. Sorry. (laughs) It's like. Yeah, we're cold and good right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, Chandler, oh my gosh. It has been such a year. I think for us on a global scale, like nationally, our country, and then also for you personally, there's just been so many things going on. So I got to just start off by asking you, like, what was your favorite part about 2020 for you personally? Favorite part about 2020, um, I probably have to say is releasing my album feelings. Yes. Um, I, I can't explain the joy of releasing that album. It was so, actually, this is a really funny story. I've never actually talked about this publicly. Uh, well, I'm just going to give the uh, the short version. It was such a joy that uh, I've had some stolen identity stuff happen to me. So the day of my album release, I was actually driving, was speeding, got pulled over. Uh, somebody in, who's, you know, used my identity has done some weird stuff. So I got pulled over. I got arrested on my album release day, actually. What? Um, Whoa. I had so much joy that I was in jail getting that straight, and I was still just, you know, raving. Oh, my God. Because I had a lot of... Isn't that crazy? That is so wild. Oh, my gosh, though, but... What a picture of like this year. I recently released an episode talking about just how to hopefully grieve that even through trials, there's a way that we can be joyful too, you know, like, and that's not to sugarcoat like some of the pain or frustration. Like, I mean, I've never had my identity stolen, but I know that is a hassle and it is annoying. (laughs) Like that is like so frustrating. Well, I love it. I And actually, before we get into the next question, I want to know your least favorite part about 2020, but tell us a bit about Feelings since you brought it up. Such an incredible album. I want to know a bit about like your heart behind it because when I listened, I was just like, this is so vulnerable, so raw. I love an opportunity to be in my feels and I really did feel in my feels. So what like inspired you with that album? Feelings, man. Feelings, what inspired me probably was what inspired uh, kind of caught up a lot of people was just 2020. (laughs) I mean, the first half of 2020, I was just dealing with a lot relationally and uh, a lot just life-wise transitions that left me grieving really bad. Um, And being a pastor's kid, my dad being in church since I've been born, pastoring several churches, um, I realized I was never really taught how to grieve with the Lord, like properly grieve. And I think whenever I looked at grief, whenever I looked at almost even sadness, I looked at it like God was up in heaven, like, hey, hurry up and get out of that. Like, come worship me. Like, don't worship me in grief. Don't like hurry up and just get through that. Um, And that he was, instead of seeing that he was with me in the process, I was just kind of viewing him like he was just in, in heaven in this judgmental seat, rushing me out of a process. So once I realized this year that, hey, that's not God at all. Like he's actually sitting with me in grief. Like he's actually uh, present with me and he wants me to take my time. He doesn't want me to rush through it. Once I realized that, I was like, man, 
I need to like respect my feelings more. I need to pay attention more to my feelings. Not that they're a guide, but they're a gauge. They're a gauge of what's going on and what I need the Lord to help me with, what I need grace for. Um, so out of that flowed songs like he understands, realizing Jesus has felt every emotion we can ever feel uh, built for this with my dad and it's okay to not be okay. So all of, all of that just came out of the realization that, Hey, God is with me in grief and processing and sadness and all of that. Yeah. I mean, I love that Chandler because grief can, is something I find as Christians and we can just touch on this for a second. Like I sometimes find that we're really uncomfortable with somebody saying, like, if someone asked me like, Hey Kate, how are you doing? And I'm just like, you know what? Today is not a great day and I'm yeah, questioning absolutely. a lot and it's hard. Full stop, right? Period, end of sentence without saying, oh, you know, but God is good. Like, you know, because that's yeah. what we want to do. Like, sure, we may know in our heart, God is good, right? But like right now, I don't I don't need to say that to make everybody else feel okay. Right now, I've it kind of sucks. But like yeah, Christians right. are awkward with that sometimes where they're like, uh, you're not doing well. What? Yeah. Deer in headlights. So I just love that you are giving us permission. Like 2020, unexplained. Like we we all experienced something <laughs> in 2020. Like and probably a lot of things, not just one thing. Like we all have probably experienced a lot of things, both both nationally and like what's going on and globally. But then personally, I think it brought a lot of layers of grief, whether grieving friendships relationships, lack of community, yeah. Yeah. Uh, death and and hardship through loss of loved ones. I mean, gosh, it has yeah. shifted things up um, like unlike anything. So Chandler, my next question, I guess, to start it off, but like, what was your least favorite part of 2020? <laughs> Whoa. Um, man, I think there were just so many. So I'm trying to decide. Is there one? Uh, okay. My least favorite part, I had to make a really hard decision this year. Uh, as you know, I'm a dad. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So I had to make a hard decision to, because of like me traveling a lot and my three-year-old was living with me, I had to make the hard decision to let him, uh, to move him to his mom, uh, who is over 10 hours away from where I live driving. Uh, but like a two hour, two and a half hour flight. Um, so in May, I had to make a decision and he moved in August and it was like, Probably my least favorite part, which I, which like kind of played a part in my grieving and everything too. But it was, it's, you know, it's kind of crazy that like usually what hurts, you know, parents is kind of sometimes the best thing for the child. So I learned that very valuable uh, lesson this year. And that kind of was my least favorite part, I think. Wow. Chandler, that is so, that's so real because. I don't even know the first thing about being a parent, but the sacrifice that it requires to be like, oh, well, I don't, I selfishly don't really want this. I don't want my son to move away from me 10 hours away, but I'm, I'm looking at the real realistic picture of where my schedule is and this might be the best thing for him. And that's so sacrificial because inside you're like, that's not really what I want, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, but it's the best for him. Well, yeah. I, I'm excited to kind of talk what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking kind of about how to like learn how to be unashamedly who you are. And I feel that uh, this year has brought up, I'll just be personal, for, for, for me this year, it's brought up a lot for me in, in shaping my own belonging, in figuring out where I belong, what I stand for, and who I am becoming. And I think this year, more than any year, I have felt that. Um, and it, you know, inadvertently affects how I show up in relationships with friends and then in dating. We have moved into even more. I think 2020 has like exponentially propelled us into the even more of a digital era because like we're at home more, we are, are more connected via Zoom and just everything is digital, you know? coming into just how that's probably affected you. I mean, this year you've even like just blown up that much more in 2020. Like 2020 was really a big year for you, you know, like it was amazing. So how has that, how has, you know, let's start off the conversation by just like, has there been a struggle for you? And like with that, like the grown popularity and people following you and looking to you and listening to you and all of that, like, has there been a struggle for you? What's that tension look like between 
who am I versus who do people think I am yeah. or what I should yeah. portray to other people? Like, what has that been like for you? Uh, I, there's definitely been a tension because I think with the more, the more exposure, when exposure comes uh, and the more it comes, the more pressure it is to try to keep up the exposure and like keep up the momentum. And with that, you sometimes go out of yourself thinking, you know, like not even realizing like, hey, it's me being authentically me that's gotten me here. Um, but sometimes you just kind of get in your head and like, okay, what do I need to do to keep it up? Um, so it's definitely that tension. I think uh, how I've dealt with it is is I just stay honest to my emotions, stay honest to what I feel like the Lord was saying and doing um, and how, who he made me. And I also withdrew for necessary periods. Like I went a two months sabbatical in November. Um, and during that time, one thing I had to confront, uh, just thing that just kept coming up is like, who, like, who am I outside of music, outside of what people have seen me as, who am I? And like, what do I mean to me? So I think once you can place the value on yourself outside of what you do, it's easier to anchor yourself in who you really are instead of not, uh, you know, anchoring in, in the social media, in the, in increase and growing influence because it's easy to do that um but once you find that value of like hey this is who i am and this is what i mean to me it's easier to anchor yourself in that once you realize what it is i love that now that i'm sure there's people listening that are like but how do i even go about like having those conversations with god or like how do i like i'm sitting here being like god who am i you know and like what what does that look like for you just the rawness of like bringing that to the Lord and in hearing him through that, because I have like coached so many men and women who are like, where I challenge them. I'm like, yeah, well, who does God say that you are? And they're like, I have no idea, you know? So yeah. what did some of that look, what does some of that look like for you? Uh, I mean, it's really, I have this practice of like, it's like that scripture in Corinthians that talks about captive every thought. I, as soon as I have a feeling or emotion or a thought, I like investigate it. I'm like, Hey, where is this coming from? Is this just something in the moment that I'm feeling? Or is this something that is like has a root inside of my spirit or my soul that I need to address? Um, and in that moment, as I'm thinking and processing it, I find out that maybe most of a lot of it is like rooted stuff that I just need to pray to the Lord about. Like, Lord, help expose this, the root of this. Or in my prayer time, write down in my notes, like, hey, pray about this. I need to pray about why I'm feeling insecure around other gifted people. Like, what is the root of this? Um, so it's, it's stuff like that. I think it's very practical that you can take anything to the Lord in prayer. Uh, it's just about being aware of what it is, like asking the Lord, Holy Spirit will, will let you know, is this something in the moment that is just a fleeting thing? Or is this something I need to address that's been rooted in years of me just not paying attention? That's how I practically address it. Yeah, that's so good and so practical. So in this, as you mentioned, like even just like the comparing to other people, I mean, there is, I talk in the book I have coming out, thank you for rejecting me. I talk about like my, I was bullied in high school and it was really hard for me because I had, I didn't really understand why I didn't understand why I wasn't, I was suddenly not accept, accepted by them anymore. And I felt myself in that early time in my life before social media and all the things, Instagram wasn't nearly on the I think I had AOL at the time anyway. And like oh, yeah. AIM, you know, like let's go back in the day. <laughs> um, but even then I found myself like wanting to conform because I, some of the reasons why these people didn't like me is because like I was good at playing the flute <laughs> and like I was first chair flute and I dressed up. I loved fashion at the time, even though I was like 12 years old. And so I found myself wanting to like be worse at playing the flute just so like, oh, I, I wouldn't be standing out so much or like change what I was wearing and like get the LL Bean backpack that everyone else had. And, you know, like just change. I was like, oh, maybe like I have to change. Like, and this is where it started for me, this point of comparison point of, I had to change and give up things that I really love. Like I loved fashion. I loved music. And I started going away from those things to be, to start quote unquote, fitting in with everybody else. Has that shown up for you just in being and figuring out and owning your own skills and coming into this identity yeah. God's called you to? Yeah, I think uh, in the way it's shown up for me is trying to pull back who I am and like what I feel like I'm called to do. 
just so that people won't be intimidated. Like I'm in a lot of circles on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. A temptation is to like withdraw. Uh, I'm an Enneagram seven, but I'm like, I'm very extroverted, but I, I, I'm like an extrovert, intro, extroverted introvert. Me too. I charge, yeah, I charge by myself. So it's very easy for me to want to give into the pressure of like pulling back who I am, even just my gifts, like in front of people, like if whether I'm leading worship or whether because people are just, I'm, you know, you just get those feelings like, oh, they're not really feeling me right now. Or they're not. So it's easy for, because I like to be accepted by people. I have a people pleasing demonic spirit upon me. <laughs> you know, I have uh, thing, this, uh, this fear of man thing that, you know, I've dealt with just for a little while. So it's, it's, it's a constant daily struggle of like making myself aware, like, hey, you don't have to lessen yourself just because people may not feel like, or whatever, like just for other people to appease people's feelings. Um, so I think the more secure I, I get myself and know that I'm accepted and called and chosen, the more I'm able to just fearlessly and boldly uh, do what I do, no matter who's in the room. Mm, that's so good. It's reminding me of, I don't know if you uh, saw the documentary about Sean Mendez. Did you see that on Netflix at all? I haven't watched it. I've okay. been wanting to watch it. Oh my gosh. It. So it's great. Well, he, I'll just say something at the beginning. He talks about like prior to going on stage, like a musician, like an artist is so like, oh my gosh, this it's just a lot of adrenaline, a lot of pressure yes. and a lot of the feeling like in that first song, the first note to like perform. And he said, oh, almost every time you go out there and you're like, ah, I'm here to like people please. And you almost always, the first note is off. Like he said, he's like almost always, cause that is where, and then you open your eyes and you see the people in front of you and you remind yourself of like why you're here. And he's like, and then after that first note that you probably bombed, then you get into it because you're like, wait a second, this isn't about that, you know? But he's like, almost every time I get out there and I'm like, I'm here to please and I'm here to perform. And it's like, he's like, it's so tough yeah. until you can remove those voices yeah. and that people pleasing. And it's like, Absolutely. this is, I, be then he becomes one with the music and the song and it's so much, he performs the best. And I loved that because it's reminding me of what you just said, you know? Yeah, I think uh, for even on this side of stuff, it's super easy. Well, I tell a lot of worship leaders, it's super easy to try to go out there and because of the pressure you're feeling to try to even minister to people. Like as worship leaders and even as our, our call was never to minister to people, it was to minister to God so that he can minister to them. But because of the pressure, like, hey, sing my favorite song or uh, do this, or it's, it's so easy to walk out in any arena, whether it's secular, Christian, whatever, and forget the reason why you started and forget the reason why you're there. And uh, to get so caught up in the influence again that you just forget who you are. So uh, grounding yourself and catching that stuff as soon as it pops up is, su is super, super important. Well, yeah. I mean, and now to like just flex into how this relates to dating, I think it just, it's so important that we learn and spend the time to do this like while we're single, before we're married. Again, for everyone listening, they know I say this, there's no perfect time to date, perfect time to get married. You're always going to be working through things and working through layers, you know, like it's, oh, that's just the process of becoming more like Christ. Yes, yes, it is the process. Yes, yes, yes. But like, oh my gosh, if we can't own our identity, like I think now more than ever, just because of 2020, where do, what do we stand on? What do we stand for? Who are we? What are our unique gifts? And, and what is the God calling us into right now? And not even that you have to have all, know all the answers to every one of that, but to be committed to be on the journey and start asking those questions is so important. Now, I want to bring up something too for you, Chandler. I mean, you brought it up. You're a dad. You're a single dad. I mean, you're now um, in a relationship with a girl, and that's amazing. I but, am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just call that out for a second before we go into single dad stuff. Yeah. Ayo. <laughs> I love it. I love all the love on the gram I've been seeing. Uh, it's 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 super important to me. It's special. Oh man, I love that. I love it so much. Well, I'm finally yeah. doing relationships the right way. You oh. don't have to get into it, but oh man, it's the oh share, please. Real, uh, oh, I just I'm just 
like I'm doing things that like I literally remind her a lot. I'm be like, uh, you know, I've never done this before. Or last time I did this, I was like 14. <laughs> like Christmas gifts, uh, you know, I just have never really <laughs> or like date. I mean, Kate, we went on like uh uh I've taken I first of all I've asked her to be my girlfriend. I never do that. Oh my like, god, just look at you. The intention. Kind of like, oh yeah, we're talking, you're my girlfriend. <laughs> I never just ask or make a thing out of it. I don't take people on dates. I don't. This is really different. Wow. Uh, it's special, it. though. It's really cool. It's oh, cool. that's it's amazing. Cool. Is she like, wait, well, that probably makes her feel good. Like, she's like, she feels your intentionality, I bet. I don't want to speak for yeah. her, but I bet she feels she does. like, oh. Yes. And she also thinks I'm a, uh, oh, never mind, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Well, I'm so excited for you. And I think that's a perfect example of like we, no matter how we've dated in the past, we can always do it differently. And we're always learning. I mean, you don't know my full story. and I won't share it all here. But like, oh my gosh, my the reason why I run a dating ministry right now is because of a lot of years of doing it absolutely horrendously on my end. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it was just like 10 years of nonstop dating toxic relationships, being addicted to men, and just a lot of things, you know, (laughs) like putting my identity into these guys. And actually, so much of that for me was also people pleasing. Like, what does this guy want me to be? How can I fit into that mold? What, how, how can I get him to stay? What do I do and change and shift so that he doesn't leave me? You know, it was so based on, it was so conditional. Like if he shows me enough love, then okay, I'm I'm doing a good job. But if he doesn't, oh my gosh, like what do I have to change about myself? Which is so terrible because it's yeah. feeble. No person can make you filled and happy the rest of your life. Hard lessons, <laughs> you know? Now, if you haven't heard yet, I wrote a book on rejection. It's called Thank You for Rejecting Me, Transform Pain into Purpose, and Learn to Fight for Yourself. And you guys, it comes out on February 16th. That's right, just in time for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Now, I know with confidence that this book is going to help you face your past rejections, heal from the ones you're going through currently, and prepare you for the future of rejections that may come. It's all of my darkest stories of rejection combined, from betrayal to heartbreak, abuse, abandonment, feeling like a total failure, not fitting in, being uninvited, wondering where God is within all of the pain, and even in the tragic ways in which I've self-rejected through self-hatred, insecurity, and body shame. Friend, I just truly cannot wait for you to get your hands on this book on February 16th. Now here's something else I want you to know. After years of helping others with their dating life, this year I found myself thinking I was in the middle of my own redemption story. When suddenly I got broken up with by the man I thought I was gonna end up with. When I wrote this book, I never considered that the very words I'd write would end up being the exact thing I desperately needed to heal my own heart this year. I have spent many nights since that breakup on my hands and knees crying out to God in utter pain and frustration. But simultaneously, I have thanked God through the tears for the powerful healing that this book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, has provided for my own heart. Knowing what I know today, I gotta say this. I'm so grateful that God did not give me what I thought I wanted. Today, with more confidence than ever, I wanna shout, thank you for rejecting me. And friend, I want more than ever for you to be able to claim that for yourself too. Whether you're dealing with self-rejections like body insecurity or self-hatred, Whether you're lonely and dealing with a massive heartbreak, whether you've been abandoned by someone important to you, maybe you consistently don't feel like you fit in anywhere. Maybe you've been betrayed or horrifically abused. Maybe you felt weighed down by sexual shame. Maybe you feel like a failure from all the closed doors in your life. Maybe you're stuck wondering where God is within all of it. Well, guess what? We're talking about all of that in this book. Now, if you are also feeling the weight of rejection right now, I want you to know I created a free five-step video series called How to Get Back Up When Rejection Knocks You Off Your Feet. It's all about how to muster the strength to take the very first steps right after being hit down. And today, I want you to know that if you pre-order my book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, 
you'll be able to get access to this really special sacred and healing series. It has such a special place in my heart because it actually helped me in the immediate throes of devastation after my last breakup. These practical steps enabled me to have the groundwork to take the first steps to find the strength to stand up, tend to my hurting heart, and start the healing process. If you pre-order my book, Thank You For Rejecting Me, you'll not only get access to this incredible series, but you'll also get a special workbook to coincide with the series. And you'll get early access to chapter five of my book called The Ugly Cry. You'll also get exclusive access to the Thank You For Rejecting Me Insider Launch Team, where we will be doing a private book club. What I've learned through my years of rejection is this. Rejection can try to have its way with us, but that doesn't mean we can't have our way with rejection. Friend, I am so excited to be on this journey with you. If you want to support me, you can go to thankyouforrejectingme.com or tyfrm.com and you can pre-order your book right now from your favorite book site and get immediate access to all the pre-order goodies. For you too, being a single dad and, you know, I mean... That I'm sure has also shaped your life and your dating life and even just how you saw yourself. I'd love to like just open up some of the dialogue of how that shaped you in the last few years. I know you have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So how did that shape you personally, just even how you thought about yourself and different things that changed for you and then how that translated into dating? Man, it is a journey. I think just having my two boys and especially out of marriage not in the marriage realm I think it had the potential and it, it kind of did for the first couple of years it kind of just shaped my perspective on dating like man well I'm gonna have to like find the the perfect person who's gonna want to I just kind of put all these things in place as far as who would want to deal with me or who would want to date me or who would want to try to handle all this like you know two boys that's a lot um, so I kind of limited myself. And I think the reason I didn't really give my all to like any relationships previously is because I really didn't think the person wanted me. I felt like people were more interested in what I had, people more interested, even in my potential. Like people saw what I could become, but they didn't really like oh. love me for where I was, you know, like yeah. where I am presently. So um, once I saw that like, hey, people, there are people out here who can really like love it, whether it's my pastor, whether it's my friends. Once I got surrounded with a solid group of friends, I've realized like, yo, people aren't just interested in potential. You know, people can like, oh, Chandler's going to be this, or Chandler's going to be that, or like, I'm that's cool, but I need friends for today. I need friends or people who can see me for where I am now and still love me before I reach any potential if I reach it, you know what I'm saying? So I think I just saw myself through the lens of, like you said, very conditional, like mm-hmm. uh, people don't really want me. So I'm not even going to take this seriously because of how I've messed up in the past or because of uh, what I've done or because of how I've just you know, made certain mistakes over and over. I just didn't really take it. My identity, took my dating life, took my relational life very seriously because I just didn't take myself seriously. Wow. That's, I mean, if I can pinpoint something that comes up in my inboxes on Instagram and emails, like over and over again, it is people feeling unworthy and especially in singleness and feeling like this person isn't going to like me either for two ends of the spectrum, either A, because they don't have any experience with dating at all or because of B, they have a past, either a sexual past or a relational past or even a family history past that feels shameful to them. And either spectrum that people land on, I feel like the feeling is sim- the, the overwhelming feeling is the same mutual feeling, which is shame and feeling like, yeah. man, like this person, if they knew all these layers, they're never going to accept me. Maybe they'll like, like the first experience with me or the, the picture of what they think I am, but underneath it all, they're not going to like truly me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how, how did you unravel some of the shame, even narratives from your past and walking into that fullness? Cause I think that big, that shame, man, it's that big block from God's love for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that helped me the most is, I mean, we're talking about identity, I think the thing that helped me most is really embedding 
in my heart and my spirit that I'm a son either way. And I think once you can find the fact and the truth and believe that you are a child of God, out of that place and posture and position will flow every belief that you deserve the goodness of God, that you are worthy of his goodness. So once I like wholeheartedly believe no matter what I've done, no matter what I do, no matter what I will do, I'm a child of God. And out of that posture flows his goodness. So I'm worthy to be loved. I'm worthy to have good things happen. Like it was, I think shame was so bad. Like I prepared myself for the worst at all times. Like I was always preparing myself for something to end bad. I was always preparing myself to be disappointed. Uh, so I would praise myself and kind of, even sometimes in things, maybe what would have been prematurely just so it wouldn't end negatively. Wow. Like, all right, oh, this is just, you know, it's kind of, we've been doing this for a little while. So I'm just going to have to end it before it ends bad. Right. Like almost like self-sabotage just because of shame. But once I realized like, yo, everything uh, that is outer is, is going to like be based upon what I believe on the inner. Like, and if I believe that I'm a child of God inwardly, then I can outwardly receive the goodness of God. Um, so once I believed that, I think I was able to see myself through that lens. Wow. And then it like transforms. It's like that when the, someone is genuinely giving you love, you can accept it and receive it full stop without thinking, oh, but they're going to let me down. Oh, but when they find out this, this isn't going to last. Oh, you know, like, because yeah, that's, absolutely. wow. And that that is it. Like we... We, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of we're so scared that love, this love will not last or this isn't going to be real. And that's through how we see ourselves and through the unique things that have happened to us. Man, that has been probably one of my biggest struggles too. I think I've shared this before. The biggest lie I think I've believed in dating is that I'm good, but never enough. Meaning when a guy dates me, he's like super enamored with the initial external picture of who I am and I, my personality. But then when he gets under the layers, he sees more and he sees the brokenness and he sees, you know, like, and some of the things, I mean, my biggest woundings come out in relationships, not going to lie. Like that's like where it's the hardest for me. And I, it's still an area of growth for me. And so, you know, I get fearful, like, oh my gosh, once he sees, all that, like, then he's going to run away, you know, like, oh, oh, oh. So I have to put on this, like, I have to be on my best behavior. And like, that's where in the past I've like, kind of been afraid to let anybody into the vulnerable areas of like, here's really some things that have happened in my life. Here's really how I, you know, what I'm still working through, but, but the point is I'm, I'm working through it. You know, I think that is where I can see myself in the wholeness of God to say, I know who I am. I know what I've been through and I know what I'm still working through, you know, and all of that is good and okay. You know, man. but right now Chandler, there are lots of singles that are just, you know, 2020 has either propelled people into relationships because out of loneliness and they've met and that's great for them. I love it for them. Um, and you started dating this year. Amazing. However, <laughs> there's also the other side of that where it's created breakups. And for people who haven't dated, it's also been hard to date in this season and pandemic. And it's created a lot of feelings of loneliness. And I would say it's perpetuated these lies of nobody's ever going to want me, choose me, uh, think of me, ask me out. I'm going to be stuck in singleness forever. What do you have to speak to those people right now that are just in 2021 being like, will this ever change for me? Yeah, I man, I, I think you talked about it in your life. I mean, we'll talk about each other's stories, but I think in my life, I didn't realize how, how single I should have been. You know, like when you're just dating, just to date and you just not even dating like right people or like the timing of God, like you just, just doing stuff. So I think uh, knowing that, like looking back, I'm like, man, I should have been single way more just to prepare myself for me, what I felt like is the right thing. Um, but for those who are waiting, I would say like, I said that to say this time, and you probably have heard it multiple times, but I mean, just because the cliche doesn't mean it's not true. Like, view this time as preparation and be grateful 
that the Lord is giving you grace to not just waste it or swander it. Um, but like, it's, it's a time preparation. And one thing that I always say about myself, whenever I feel like I'm lacking a good thing, if I'm a child of God, God says that he will not withhold any good thing from me. You know, like that's just a truth because he's good. If it's good for me, I'm going to have it. And I like the hard thing, even like just Bible really fast, not to go too deep. I love it. But no. The thing with Eve, the thing with Eve was the serpent allowed, like caused Eve to believe. And I mean, to doubt in the goodness of God, he was like, Hey, does that, does he, he just doesn't want you to eat the apple because he doesn't want you to become like him. He knows that you're going to know all good and evil and you're going to have wisdom. So in that moment, Eve doubted God's goodness in that season. So it caused her to try to work for it and eat the apple on her own and try to get goodness and wisdom on her own. When everything was already provided for her, she just got blinded and deceived by she was maybe being impatient or she got blind to see because she just doubted the goodness of God. So in this season of singleness and where you feel like you're lacking, where you feel like the Lord is just not moving, you feel like you're going to be lonely forever, force your heart to believe in the goodness of God, that if it is good for you, you will have it and you have it now. If it's not good for you, maybe there's a season and a reason why the Lord, you know what I'm saying, hasn't given it yet. I'm grateful that the Lord waited to give me a relationship that I have now, because if it was a year ago, I would have just currently destroyed it. I would have completely just wrecked it. Um, so I, I would just trust the time of the Lord. And I know it sounds like a broken record, but I think it's the truth to hold on to in these seasonal loneliness. I'm believing God for some stuff that I've been believing God for years. And I'm having to convince myself like, Hey, God is good. And if it's good for me, then I'll have it. Yeah. If not, he must be working something inside of me until it's the right time. And out of his protection, his love, he's not going to give it beforehand. Mm. So uh, believe the goodness of God. He's good. Yeah. No, that's so, I mean, it's, it, yes, quote unquote, might feel cliche, but it's also not because I think that one of the things I say always is just like, you need to trust the process. And it does feel like a yeah. cliche, trust the process. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I roll Kate, but I'm like, I, I, the thing that makes it, I will just say the thing I think that sets it apart for you and I saying it right now, Chandler is like, you are not married. I am not married. We have gone through crap right? You know, there's like things that have happened in our past that have been really hard that we've just shared some of that. And it's like, we don't, it's not lost on us that the singleness and the journey of dating and can be really difficult at times and bring up a lot of confusion and a lot of doubt and a lot of questions. I mean, and that is normal. So anybody experiencing that right now, like you are nor yeah. that is normal. It is okay. Like I love what you said earlier, Chandler, about the grieving. Like you're allowed to grieve that, you know, like you're allowed to come with the messy feelings of whatever you want to feel at the throne of God and just bring like lament it all. I mean, like, do it. I think when we are and and that's fine. Like I I know a lot of people in their 30s as well. Like we have people of all ages, but there's some people in their thirties that are, and, and older that are feeling the weight of like, wait, I'm, but I'm like still single. Like, I'm just like the only single person around, you know, yeah. and God is with you in that for right now in that very specific place. It actually is reminding me to Chandler of the Maverick city music song to you. I've had it on repeat. Okay. Like, you know, but just coming back to you coming back to God, like running back to him. If you felt yeah. lost and weary and 2020 was like, uh, I don't know what in the world is happening. Like maybe this is the call to come back to him and know that he hasn't left you and that he's still good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's just, good. that's on my heart right now. <laughs> yeah. Man. So to, before we fully wrap up, I just want to know like, what are you are in a relationship and knowing what you were or how you showed up in dating in the past and now doing that differently, how, what does it look like for you just showing up back to the topic of our conversation, like unashamedly who you are, not apologizing for who you are, just owning your true identity and also balancing that with like learning how to serve somebody else with different needs, yeah. you know, that's also their own unique person. Yeah. Uh, balancing that is, is interesting. I think 
which is, I mean, back to the topic of preparation. I think just in the past year, year and a half, the Lord's been preparing me to like, uh, just really point out and being really hard on those spaces inside of me that where I wasn't confident, where I doubted myself, where I was insecure, um, where I even, you know, did the whole comparison thing. And I think 2020, I was really able to sure, like sure that up. Well, mostly 2019, but definitely 2020, I was able to like sure up on those things. Like, All right, I think I'm good in this area. And I think it was the time of the Lord to just prepare me to be in a really cool relationship because when you're in a relationship, you know, trying to balance your own insecurities and all that stuff. And then, you know, properly giving need and attention and uh, serving, like you said, serving the other person can just be really extremely difficult. Um, so I think that that balance is going well. And I enjoy, this is weird. I enjoy serving more than I thought. Um, we're actually right now reading the love language. Well, I started the yes. book. She hasn't started it. <laughs> but uh, wanna, The five love languages? She, yeah. She's actually right here. So I, I was just being very sarcastic. Oh, my gosh. I love um, it. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> but I think the, the balance came in just really realizing, like, before I can give myself in any percentage to anyone, I really had to go through the process of, like, yo, where and what areas can I, that are just really out of whack that I need to focus on right now? I mean, because of course you're always going to be growing, always going to be learning stuff about yourself, always going to be fixing stuff. But I think uh, there there were really bad holes and uh, just leakages in my, that's who I was as a person that I've been able to fix now uh, because I gave attention to it before it was a time in a relationship. So yes. um, it's really cool. It's It's cool. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm excited for you and proud of you guys and also love the love languages. We had Dr. Gary Chapman from the love languages on for our yeah. 100th episode last year. And he is the sweetest guy. I love him. <laughs> He's so great. So quickly for funsies, do you know what your love language is? <laughs> so I know what my love language, like what I like it's definitely physical touch. Like we can be in a room and not talk for 24 hours. As long as you touch me, I'm okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. That makes sense. And quality time. Yep. Oh, and like, those two go often hand in hand because you can't have physical touch without really quality time. Yeah. <laughs> like how are you going to do that virtually, you know? Yeah. And I think I'm, I think, I think these change over time help me. Is that true? Can they change? They can a little bit. Mine has, but I think you always are pretty specific, like with one, because it usually is rooted from your childhood. Usually, yeah, it comes out of like definitely mine. Yeah. That's probably never going to change. Yes, and but I'm starting to like words of affirmation a lot. Yes, I know oh, that makes sense. Airport, but now I do. Yeah, that's my number one. Yep, definitely words of affirmation. <laughs> Chandler, okay, so before we wrap up this interview, I ask everyone the same last question. So I'm going to ask you it too. And that is just, what is your final nugget of dating advice for the heart of dating people today? Oh, wow, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> I would say my final nugget would be give yourself grace. I don't allow the outward pressures of what you see to pressure uh, what you're in. Like, um, give yourself grace, take your time, uh, and don't rush. Move at the pace of peace. Move at the pace of peace. That's my ooh, nugget. Ooh, move at the pace of peace. Hey, wow. <laughs> don't rush based upon even your emotions. Like, your emotions will cause you to rush, but ooh, just yes. move at the pace of peace and uh, give yourself room to grow. Yes. Wow. You know, that just spoke to me. Okay. Thank you, Chandler. I needed that. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, I feel like there, I spoke to a mentor recently about just everything happening in our world. And she was like, times are urgent, but you don't have to urgently feel like you have to say anything yeah. or post anything yeah. or whatever. And what you're, cause I'm trying to balance just as a leader where I'm showing up on things and, yeah. and making sure I process things too, and not just doing something for the sake of doing something, you know, but I want to process and that move at the pace of peace. I think that also shows up man and how we date. And I always say to people like taking a little more time is never going, you're never really going to be mad about that. <laughs> you know, like, but you, what you will be mad about 
is rushing something and and not you know processing it so that's good that's good Chandler if people want to connect with you and all the things how did they find you and your album and all the stuff Hey, you can find me on Instagram, Chandler D. Moore. D is for David. <laughs> uh, you can go to my website, ChandlerDmore.com. I'm on iTunes, YouTube. Just type my name and you'll be overwhelmed with all the things. <laughs> yes. All the good things. All the goodness. Okay, this is going to be yeah. a final question. You probably got this before, but it just came to me. Do you have like, this is, you probably changes, but do you have like right now a favorite song that you've been loving that you've created? Um, that, uh, one of my songs. Yeah. It's probably, he understands. He understands. I love that one too. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I think any person, if you're, if you're feeling lonely, I think you should go listen. He understands. And I think hopefully by the end of the song, you'll be a little more encouraged. Yes. So good. All right, Chandler, this was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and time with me today. This is awesome. Thank you for having me, Kate. I just love Chandler. That was such a fun conversation, you guys. Now, go ahead right now and check out his music. I love his album, Feelings. You are going to absolutely love it. I just was in so many of my feels when I listened to that album. And so go ahead and listen to it right now. And then, you know, go ahead and check out some songs that he headlines with Maverick City. You are not going to be disappointed. I listened to those songs literally on repeat pretty much every single day. When I looked at my Spotify top songs of 2020, Maverick City was easily on the top of the list. So thankful for Chandler Moore and all he is doing. And really, really excited to have him at the Singled Out Heart of Dating Conference. All right, friends, love you guys. So grateful for all that's coming up. Want to just remind you, if you haven't yet pre-ordered my book and you want to support me, honestly, it just means a lot. Even if you got a copy already with the Singled Out Conference, if you order it on Amazon and leave a review the first week that the book comes out on February 16th, I can't tell you how much that helps me as a first-time author. So as my community, as my tribe, I just want to ask you if you'd consider doing that. I know it's a $16 investment on Amazon, but that would mean so much if you'd be willing to do so and then leave a review the first week that the book comes out. All right, that's it for now. I will see you on Friday for our mini-sode and then next Wednesday for our next full episode. Bye guys. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 